Thank you, guys. For those who don't know, that's my favorite oldest daughter and my favorite son-in-law, one and only son-in-law. So he's favorite for the time being. Of course, we'll see what kind of prison I get if he stay remains my favorite or not. Not that that's a qualification of my love or anything, but just saying, you know, more is better. You all having a good Christmas Eve so far? Isn't God awesome? It's beautiful snow outside. Anybody have trouble getting to snow church this morning? One or two? It was awesome. I love coming up here. I mean, I was out there shoveling this morning trying to get ready and make sure it was all ready for, for dust and it comes. I didn't want him to call and fall and break a hip. And that would be funny if an EMT broke his hip and Paul would have to take care of him. But I was out there just enjoying the fresh air, enjoying the, the snow, enjoying all that God has given to us. And why aren't we singing White Christmas this morning? Just kidding. It's a good time. Good time to worship and celebrate our Savior's birth. Good time to come together to worship together as the body of Christ, to celebrate and give God the love that He, give God the worship that He is due as He shows us His love. This whole series we've been going through called Heaven on Earth, it's about God, God leaving His throne in glory and coming and becoming one of us so that we could identify with Him, right? Not so that we could, He could know what our feelings are, know what it means to be tempted or know what it means, but so that we could identify with Him in His weaknesses or in His life so that we could come to Him on His terms and show us the way back to Him. For thousands of years, man has tried to get to God on our own terms. We've tried to be good enough. We tried to offer sacrifices. We tried to do all the right things. But that's not why he came. He came to show us that coming back to him is on his terms, not in all the rules and regulations and the law, though he did gave us a law, right? Back in the Old Testament, he gave Moses the law. He gave the people of Israel the law. But why did he give them the law? We've talked about this before. He gave them the law so they could understand they could not get to God by obeying the law. There's too many things there. There's too many rules and regulations. And if you tried to get to God and please God by fulfilling the works of the law, we were going to fall. Because the only way to please God is to be perfect. And in our own efforts, we cannot be perfect. Would you all agree with that? In our own efforts, I can't be good enough. But David, you were a missionary for 20 years. Surely we put all them up on pedestals. Yeah, we get put on pedestals. But you're the pastor. Surely you live a mostly perfect life. Yeah, ask my kids and my wife. And my son-in-law, of course, says yes. Right? Okay, just making sure. None of us can please God in our own efforts. We can't go to church enough. We can't be good enough. We can't read this letter from God enough. We can't speak the right words enough. We can't wear the right clothes. We can't do enough good things for God to say, You're awesome. Welcome into my presence. He says, I'm sorry you've missed the mark. No matter what your knowledge is, no matter how good you are, no matter how many times you come, no matter how many times you come sit on the front row. The back row people, we know that there's no hope for y'all. <laughs> Just saying. 
But no matter how many times you think you can do the right things, you can't. So as a babe, he came to show us his grace and truth in our lives is all that is needed. And when we humbly submit ourselves to him and turn our lives over to him, turn our minds over to him, it's then that we find him. And have you ever been lost before? Driving somewhere? Made a wrong turn? Thought you were going a shortcut? And you're taking shortcuts that turned into long cuts? We, when we were traveling around the country as missionaries, we made, I made this mistake twice that I can remember, that I haven't blocked out. I'm sure my family has their journal and Dad did it again, Dad did it again, take a shortcut again. One time we were up in northern Pennsylvania and trying to go from Sarah, Pennsylvania over to visit my grandma just south of Albany. And I said, oh, look, it's just like two inches on the map. We're going to go right across these, these little small hills into up Albany. Perfect. We'll be there in like three hours. Yeah, we didn't know that there was this, and then this, and then this, until we cleared the other side. It was up around this, all the way down. Yeah, that was a long trip, and it was dark, and it was, it was wintry, and snow on the ground, and I didn't know the area. Another time was even worse. We were in Columbus, Ohio. I said, look, we're trying to get to Lynchburg, Virginia. It's just across the southwest portion of West Virginia. Let's just cross right in here into Virginia. It's perfect. Same thing. Up this mountain range, down this mountain range. Up this mountain range, down this mountain range. And I know they're not really mountains to those of us out here. They're like hills. But those hills stretch a long distance. And you're through little tiny towns. And there's gas stations. And we're going at night. And I'm going, this 180-mile trip should have taken us a short time. It ended up being like a six-hour trip. And by the time we finally got to Lynchburg, we just like that. And our GPS told us at one point to go straight across this river. There's a bridge there. And we get right up to the edge, and there's no bridge. They didn't put a bridge out sign either. We were lost. Not fun. Well, exciting, but not fun. See, as mankind, because we've been trying to go in our own way for so many years, we've been lost. And Jesus, God, as a babe, came to show us the way home. He came to show us that the path that we were on was not the right path. He came to show us the way home. Some statistics came out several years back from Lifeway Research that said that only 56% of Americans believed that Christ is the only way to heaven in our faith. Now they may believe good, bad, good, bad, but only 56% of the American population believe that Christ is the only way. 53%, sorry, 45% believe that there's many ways to get to heaven. What's sad about that last portion, about there being 45% thinking there's many, many different roads, 
the number of, belie- of those, I'm going to say believers, churchgoers who believe that. See, God came to say that your way is not the right way. My way is the right way. In fact, you know that 67% of Catholics believe that there's many ways to heaven. 55% of the mainline Protestant denominations believe that. 19% of evangelicals. These are people who go to church on a regular basis, not just the Christers, the Christmas Easter people. These are people who tend to go to church on a regular basis. 19%, 33% of black Protestants believe that there's, oh, there's many different roads. Jesus came to show us the way home. Let us know there's only one path, and that baby is it. We put up trees, we have gifts, we celebrate and put up nice decorations at Christmas time. But Jesus is the only way. I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad he's the only way. I would hate to try to live my life thinking that I can, never really knowing, never really knowing, because I would never know if my works were good enough. I'd never know if I had enough education or enough knowledge or if I'd helped enough little old ladies across the street. Never really knowing. But when you put your faith and your trust in somebody else who's done the work on our behalf, that brings peace. Because I don't trust in my own knowledge. I don't trust in my own good works. And to make peace with God, I'm trusting in His work on my behalf. In fact, John 1 and 114, not really a Christmas passage, but He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw the glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and and truth, and John testified him about him, cried out, saying, This is he of whom it was said, He who comes after me is higher ranked than I, and he existed before me. For his fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. This babe that we look back to 2,000 years plus a little bit, And we say, oh, that was the entrance of Jesus into this world. No. He existed before me, John says. He existed not just born before John, because John was born before Jesus. Jesus existed before the creation of this world. In fact, it was by his word that this world was created. John 1.1 says it the best. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was the pre-existent, pre-eminent Christ. He didn't just appear on the scene 2,000 years ago. He was around long before. He was around long before David, King David. He was around long before Abraham. He was around long before Moses. He was around long before any of the creation of this world. He was around long before Adam and Eve. 
He was around before the creation of the angels and Satan. He is God. So I put my hope and trust in making peace with the one who came to make peace with me. When this baby came, he came to, so that we could identify with him and, and understand that it's not based on my knowledge, my understanding, my works, that I can make peace with this God. It's based on what he did for me. So not only did he come to show the way home, secondly, he came to reset our programming. This baby came to reset our programming. Any computer programmers in here? I know we've got a couple computer operators. What happens when you program something? The program operates just as you programmed it, right? Look what Tim Keller says. He says, you're, Tim Keller's a pastor up in New England. He says, your computer operates automatically in default mode unless you deliberately tell it to do something else. So Luther says that even after you are converted by the gospel, your heart will go back to operating on the other principles unless you deliberately, repeatedly set it to gospel mode. Have you set your heart to gospel mode? Have you set your heart and your life to be impacted and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, we think that by, I'm going to come, I'm going to walk on out, I'm going to bow my head, I'm going to pray that sinner's prayer, and then it's all good. And I can live my life the way I want. That's what the world thinks. That 56%, that 46% of people who think that there's many different ways, I just got to come, and this is just one way to make God happy. They've missed the idea that they have to there takes a change inside here. The baby came to let us know that there needs to be a change made here. If I come and I think that I'm going to please God by all that I do, that there's going to be no change. I'm just going to come and pray my little prayer, and that's good. I'm going to get baptized, that's good. But there's no change in your life. I'd say there's been no submission, and submission is the key. Submitting to our Christ, submitting to God, and saying, my mind, my life is not where it needs to be. I need to submit my life to you so that you can change me, O oh God. Cleanse my heart. Make me more like you. Should be our cry every single day. Because I am but a worm. I am worthless without Christ. I am worthless without God coming into my life and changing me and transforming me. Putting our lives in gospel mode is critical. We have a friend of ours. His name is Ernie. Ernie's an awesome guy. We first got to know Ernie back in North Korea, or I got to know him in North Korea a little bit. They lived in China with us. Ernie had a reputation in North Korea. He would go inside, and they would put him in whatever hotel room needed fixing. It was, he, this, this guy was awesome. He, he would go into this hotel room, and he'd like, oh, this, this bathroom leaks, or this light socket's not right. And so he'd get in there, and he'd fix it. And they'd stay for a month inside, and, and they'd fix up that bathtub and get it all caulked up and get it working, get the electrical situation in the room right. And they'd come back the next time, well, we're going to put you in the, our other room now. And he'd get in there, and he'd fix it up. And he was a plumber by trade, and... Ernie served in our military. 
for a while in the Army. Got out. He's from L.A., Lower Alabama. Some of you all will get that in a minute. Um, he got out of the military, got involved in some of the wrong crowd, started dealing drugs there in L.A., Went to, got arrested, went to prison. And in prison, he found Jesus. He found the baby. And he didn't just say, I'm going to do this, make this profession of faith so I get good treatment here in the prison. See, when he met Jesus, Jesus radically transformed his life. He turned from someone who was selfish and self-absorbed, someone who's full of hate, someone who's full of just thinking about himself and his wallet and didn't, not caring about anybody else. He was radically transformed like that. He gets out of prison. Now he's got this record. He becomes this evangelist, proclaiming God's word to anybody who would hear it. Proclaiming his word to anybody and everybody. He shows up in North Korea. Like, whoa, boy. <laughs> Be careful. He's sharing with his taxi drivers. He's sharing in China with everybody. He is bold. He's, he works with the folks you're not supposed to work with. Ones that could get him in trouble. Bold. God radically transformed his life. See, when he got saved, he put his life in gospel mode. He didn't leave it the way it was. He didn't leave it in me mode. He let God come in and radically transform his life. He's the epitome of 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The old life has begun. He is a brand new creation. A baby changed his life. The baby in the manger changed his life. He understood that salvation was through grace alone. It was no law, not based on what his works were. The Jews trusted in Moses. The Jews trusted in the law. They trusted in their heritage to say, we are saved. We are going to be in heaven just because we are saved the children of Abraham, just because we are followers of Moses, just because we have the Old Testament law, we're okay. You ever run across anybody and you say, when you die, are you, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Oh yeah, I'm an American, no problem, I'm going to go. We live in this Christian country. And my youth pastor told me one time, he said, I love when people tell me that. As I say, no, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, and more going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But so many people think that just by coming to church, just by being in this country, that it's a Christian nation, that they're okay. But they're not. And it's up to us to introduce them to the baby. It's up to us to introduce them to get the message out. John 1, 17-18 says, For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth was realized 
through Jesus Christ. See, no one has seen God at any time, only the begotten God who is the bosom of the Father. He has explained. Look at that verse there. Verse 17 says, The law was given through Moses so that we could understand we could not get to God based on law. And then Jesus came to reveal God's plan. Grace and truth was revealed through Jesus Christ. As we are here today, I'm thankful I don't have to follow the 600 rules and the law of Moses. Are you? I'm thankful that I am, my life is not going to be judged based on my actions. My salvation is not going to be judged based on my life and how I've lived my life in this world because I'm trusting in what Jesus Christ has done on my behalf and what the baby has done on my behalf and trusting in grace and truth to radically transform me. I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Because God is working in my life to draw me into a closer relationship with Him. It's not me working it. It's God working in me. I'd rather be selfish. I learned how selfish I was when I got married. I learned that I wanted my way. And then I learned even more when I had kids how even more selfish I was. I'm like, who are these little creatures walking around my house, eating my food, leaving my lights on? Anybody else relate? I learned just how selfish a creature I am. And as I grow, as I draw closer to Him, slowly, day by day, the selfishness is being pushed aside. As I have been taught now for 25 years of marriage, almost 26 years of marriage, and 23 years of having munchkins walk around my house, how to, they're not so much munchkins anymore, I know. How to give of myself and be selfless when I would much rather be selfish. God has been teaching me. And now as a pastor who I would rather come here and do my own thing and be my own, God says, no, you got a bunch of people, you got a shepherd. It means you got to give of yourself when I don't want to give of myself. When my little introvert self would much rather sit at home, read a book, or watch a movie or do something that I want to do. And God says, no, you need to shepherd the people that I've given to you. That's not natural. See, God is radically transforming me day by day by day by day. Is he radically transforming you? Your issues are different from my issues. Can we just be transparent here this morning? Your issues are, not, are different from mine. Mine are different from yours. But every single day, God ought to be radically transforming you step by step by step into His image by His grace and truth to let you know, I am changing you. See, that baby came to remind us that it's not me. That baby came so that we could understand that God left heaven to come to earth for us. See, many people ask the question, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to please God? And that's the wrong question. The question is, what did Christ, what did this baby do for me? And he lived 33 years and hung on the cross for us.
He went to the cross for us. This baby had one purpose when he came into the world, and that was to die. That baby came and lived a sinless, perfect life and then went to the cross for us so that we might be changed. So that I might not live and be the same person I was 40-something odd years ago. So that I might be changed. Are you letting him change you today? Are you letting him radically transform you to mold you and shape you into his image? Or are we satisfied with the prayer? I pray to prayer. I'm good. I go to church. I go to Bible study. I'm good. I have my Bible on my desk at work. I'm good. Are you letting him change your thoughts? Are you letting him change your mouth? Are you letting him change your life? Are you letting him change your selfishness? And make you into his image. That's why the baby came. To reset that programming in your mind. To reset that programming in your life. To change the way we naturally would live. We would desire to live. Look at what this baby did for us. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews, the beginning of Hebrews here. It talks about how awesome Jesus is. And look at this. He says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In other words, through all the prophets and all those in the past, God spoke through them. In verse 2, in these last days he has spoken to us. How? In his son, in the baby, in this infant creature, in this innocent little life. Verse 3, and he is the radiance of his glory. Whose glory? God's glory. He is the radiance of His glory. We have these lights, and they're radiating on the light. He is the radiance of Almighty God. And the exact representation of His nature. Not a separate being. He is the exact representation. Yes, He is also a separate being. A three in one. God, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are separate, yet they are the same. He is the exact representation of His nature. And upholds all things by the word of his power. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all all means, right? So this baby is upholding all things by the word of his crying, word of his screams, by the word of his power. He is upholding all things. And when he has made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. This baby is to be exalted. This baby that we celebrate at Christmas time is exalted. Look at all that he has done. Look at all that this baby has done. He is God's son. He is his son, he said. He is the heir of all things. He's the creator of the world. God's glory shown in him. He's the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by his word. And he purifies us from sin. This baby, this innocent little creature that maybe Mary gave birth to. Different from all the other babies that have ever been born and that ever will be born because he is God.
the writer of Hebrews goes on in Hebrews chapter 1. And he extols, takes passages from the Old Testament, and he extols and lifts up. Talks about how awesome this baby is. Listen. Starting in verse 5, it says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, and today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And again, when he brings to the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Or of the angels, he says, he makes the angels wings, winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved the righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with all the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And... Verse 10, he says, The Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Verse 13, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make an enemy's footstool of your feet. This baby, this infant that was born, this small creature, exalted to the highest. God says, He's not just my representative on this earth. He's not just another prophet that I'm sending. He's not just another person. This is me. And I am exalting myself before all creation. The angels bow down to worship. All creation bows down to worship. If people stop worshiping me, the rocks and the trees will cry out. In North Korea one time, as I was driving down the, down the road, it was right along the beach. We're going to the place where we're putting up the wind turbines. I had the windows rolled down, and I was looking out the window, and I was overcome by worship of our gods. I was watching the trees, and all their branches were lifted up high as hands. And that verse that where worship does not exist, rocks and the trees will cry out to me. And in that land of darkness, tears were streaming down my face. My escort's going, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm praising God in this country where it's not allowed, where it's illegal. I'm watching the trees and their branches and their leaves were lifted up to Almighty God and worship because of what this baby did. He is to be exalted above all creation. He is to be exalted above all that we are. Therefore, let us consider Jesus. Let us consider what He has done for us. Let us consider the change He is making in our lives and ask him this morning, have I switched my life over to gospel mode or is it still in me mode? Rest from trying to earn God's favor and receive the best gift of all through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Find rest in trying, from trying to do it myself, from trying to be good enough, from trying to do all that I can do 
and just receive the love of Christ. Receive his salvation. Receive the change. Open yourself up and say, God, today I give myself to you. I'm tired of trying to be, be good enough. I'm trying to, even as a believer, trying to, trying to, trying to make you happy. Because we can't do it. When you open yourself up and you say, God, yes, I've messed up. God, I'm a wreck. I need your power in my life to change me. God, I need your power in my life to change my kids. God, I need your power in my family to change my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. That's where permanent change comes from. We can try to follow all the tenets and all the rules and all the regulations all day long. That's what all the other faiths, that's what all the other religions of the world try to do. Everybody tries to be good enough. But we can't be good enough. So we sit down and open ourselves up. Say, God, you come in and change me. And consider what this baby has done for us. Hebrews goes on and says, Therefore, chapter 3, verse 7 and following says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of the trial of the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said they always go astray in their hearts as they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Therefore, today, consider Jesus. Consider what Christ has done for you. He came as a baby to show you the way home, to show us the way back to God, to show us the better way. And he came to reset our programming, to make us in line with him, to change our thinking, our lives, our mouths, to make us selfless as he was selfless. Let's let him radically transform us today. Can we do that? Because when he radically transforms us in here and in here, he'll use us to radically transform, to be transform agents out there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your blessings that you've given to us. I thank you, Lord God, that as a little babe, you came to redeem us, to draw us to yourself. To not leave us stuck in our sins. To not leave us stranded in ourselves. But God, today, you desire change. As we consider Jesus, as we consider what you have done on our behalf. Yes, in the story, it, a lot of times we look at it and see that it, we think that it started in Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 2 and, oh, the baby was born, but Lord, we know that your plan started so far before that. And your desire to transform culture and to transform lives That that birth was just the culmination of thousands of years of drawing mankind to yourself. Today, God, as we come before you, I ask you to change our hearts, 
as we consider what you did on our behalf. Leaving your throne in glory, humbling yourself, taking on the form of a servant for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing a final song here this morning. Jesus, I surrender. And that's really what it's all about.